Well, good morning, Crossroads. I am so happy to be here with you today, and it's so good to see faces uh, in the room. I just love what's happening that we're able to gather again. And as we dive into week two of this series called Circle Maker, I think it's probably more important uh, now than it has been in a long time for us just to be focusing on going all in on our prayer lives. There is a lot going on. And I'm going to tell you, I was so happy. Uh, I mean, can we just give uh, Pastor Dustin a huge round of applause for the way that he opened this series for us last week? Oh, man. He did such a great job of setting this whole thing up because when it comes to our prayer lives, there are things that matter to God when we pray. Like if you want to get the most out of your prayer life, if you want God to hear your prayer, there are things that matter to God when you pray. Uh, Your relationships matter. I mean, think about what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a big phrase. That's a big statement. If I'm harboring any uh, lack of forgiveness or hatred toward someone in my heart, I need to make that right. My relationships matter. Uh, My life matters. The way that I'm acting out, if I'm obedient to God, if I'm living a life that's surrendered to Him, if I'm walking with Jesus, that increases the power of my prayer life. If I've got things in my life that I know are a barrier between me and Jesus, that impacts my prayer life. My motives matter. If I'm just praying selfishly, that's a prayer that God doesn't hear. My motives matter. I need to be praying for God's will. And motives, when you pray, honestly, it can be kind of sneaky. You don't realize that your motives are off. I mean, honestly, earlier this week, before all the chaos that erupted in Washington, D.C. this week, there was actually something pretty uh, just amazing that happened. I'm not going to lie to you. It was Monday in the news cycle. I don't know if you saw this. There was a congressman that opened up everything in prayer. And at the end of his prayer, which was well written and he read it perfectly, at the end of his prayer, he ended his prayer by saying, uh, we pray this to God, amen. But then he said, and a woman. I don't know if you caught that. That's how he closed his prayer. Amen. And a woman. Because they were discussing uh, things about uh, everything being equal uh, with, with all genders in Congress. That's what was being discussed. And so he thought it would be fantastic to close his prayer by saying amen and a woman. Now here's the reality. That's dumb. Okay, that's dumb. Uh, in fact... In fact, when I read that article, I started laughing out loud. That was probably the funniest thing I'd read in a long time. I laughed for about three minutes because the reality is amen is not a gender-specific word. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, It actually is Latin. It says, may it be so. That's what it means. So be it. Uh, In Hebrew, it actually means uh, it's it's a word of unity. It's unifying. Like, I am in agreement with what you are saying to God, may it be so. And you say amen, you're, you're stamping your approval on it. And so it has nothing to do with gender. And so, man, what they were talking about in Congress was gender equality, important. The way he ended his prayer, not great, not great. I don't know how he managed or will manage to get himself into that position. But let's be honest, it's kind of amusing. The idea, though, is that my motives matter. You know, if I'm praying just, you know, for, to have people look at me and say, oh, what an amazing prayer warrior that person is, my motives are wrong. If I'm praying to make some sort of weird political statement, your motives are wrong. Why are you talking to Jesus? Are you seeking his face? Are you seeking his will for your life? That matters. Well, your faith matters too. I mean, do you trust in what God's going to do for your life? Is he going to be faithful to his promises? 
all of these things matter. I'm praying for his will to be part of my life, not my will. I want his will to be done. I mean, these are all so important things that, that we need to consider when we talk about entering into our prayer lives because these things are significant. They matter to God. And keeping that in mind, we're, we're kicking off week two of, of this series called The Circle Maker, and we're diving into just the significance of prayer in our lives, because I'm not going to lie to you here today. My desire, and this might be selfish, I don't think it is, I think it's one that God has given me. My desire is that we begin this year, 2021, by just as a group, as a church, as a family, collectively committing to just go all in on our prayer lives. That's my goal. I want every single one of us to be focused on taking the absolute biggest step we've ever taken toward Jesus by going all in on our prayer lives for these next five weeks. In fact, next Sunday, we're kicking off a 21-day prayer challenge. I'm going to be talking about this at the end, but we're going to give everybody a free journal. We're, for 21 days, we're going to be circling the promises of God in our lives. We're going to be seeking his face, dreaming God's dreams for our lives. And I'm not going to lie to you. You guys, we've already started behind the scenes just seeking God's face in prayer, and we're already seeing God begin to move and do extraordinary things. And I am excited about where this series takes us because I believe that the more of us that are willing to go all in and take this next step in our prayer lives, the more we're going to see God move and God work. And that's what I want for my own life. And I want all of us to experience that together as a church family. So let's lean into this today. Let's, let's talk seriously about our prayer lives and how this impacts each and every one of us because your prayer life matters to God. Now, this series is called The Circle Maker, and you're probably wondering, why is this called The Circle Maker? Well, it's based on a legend that we see in some writings of history in the Jewish culture. Uh, these, these, this story specifically that I'm about to tell you is actually not found in the Old Testament. It's not found in Scripture. It's found in the ancient writings of the Jews. It's a legend uh, that is contained in the history of the Jewish culture, but it's one that is awe-inspiring, that just sets up a great example of what our prayer life can be. And the legend of the circle maker is based on a story of a man named Honey who lived in the generation before Jesus walked on planet Earth. It was during the 400 years of silence where the writers of the Old Testament, the prophets, they stopped speaking. It was like God stopped moving. There were no more miracles or movements of God. And for 400 years, there's, there's just silence between when the last of the minor prophets were written in the Old Testament and when Jesus came to planet Earth, and we see the new covenant revealed in Jesus, and we see all the writings of the New Testament begin to take place. And it's in these 400 years of silence, the generation before Jesus was born, that the people of Jerusalem faced a terrible, terrible drought. It was bad. All the, the cattle were dying, the people were getting to this point of desperation where if they didn't see water, if they didn't see rain, people were going to begin to die. And so in their desperation, they went to the most spiritual and holy man that they knew, and his name was Honey. And they begged Honey to come and pray to God that he would supply the rain that they needed. And so Honey, not really looking for this kind of attention, but recognizing there's a need and trying to do whatever he could to help, made a commitment it says that Honey, in the middle of this drought, surrounded by people who were asking him to pray because they recognized that God moved when he prayed, which, how about that for a reputation? Consider that for just a moment, if that was your reputation, that people recognized that when you prayed, God moved. Just consider that for a moment. Honey answers the request of the people. He comes out just outside the walls of Jerusalem, 
And it's there that in the dirt and the dust that it says that Honey took his six-foot-long staff, he put it in the dust, and he began to draw a circle. He just drew a circle all, all the way around him. And when he was done making this circle in the sand, the story goes, it's written in history and verified in multiple different uh, transcripts, it says that Honey set that staff down, he kneeled in the circle, and he prayed an extraordinarily bold prayer. It says that Honey said this, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. Consider the boldness of that kind of prayer. It hadn't rained for a really long time. You could be stuck in that circle for a really long time, all right? My kids freak out if I tell them they can't play on their iPads for two hours, all right? Tell them to stay in a circle outside for more than two hours. This is a bold prayer. He's drawn a circle in the sand. He said, I'm not leaving this circle, God, until you show us mercy, until you show us favor. And it's in that moment that it immediately began to sprinkle. It began to rain. And the people just went crazy. They were celebrating the goodness of God and this extraordinary thing that has happened. But Honey wasn't done yet. Still sitting in that circle, he goes on to pray this prayer. He says, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. I mean, you talk about a bold and audacious prayer. It starts sprinkling. He's saying, God, that's not good enough. I wanted more than this. And in that moment, the people hear his prayer, in that moment, it begins to just torrentially downpour rain. The description in the writings of history are that the, the raindrops were never smaller than the size of eggs, okay? So take that for what it's worth. I don't know how the, big the chickens were back then. Big raindrops began pouring, and it was such a deluge of rain that it was causing damage. People began to get terrified and fleed for the Temple Mount because they would be safe from any flooding, you know, the flash floods that would form because of this torrential downpour. And it's in that moment that Honey again prays out to God and he says, no, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And in that moment, the torrential downpour began to subside and this perfect, gentle, peaceful rain began to pour and the drought was ended. And instantly, the legend of the circle maker was born. The people celebrated what God had done. The irony of this story is that the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of that day, the generation right before Jesus, they did not like what Honey had done. In fact, they tried to stone him for trying to put God in an awkward situation. And yet, because of the miracle that God had performed, and the people saying, no, this was an act of God, they decided to honor him instead. And it makes you wonder how many people on that Sanhedrin were on the same council that were there to crucify Jesus. It's a very interesting piece of history. And yet that is where the legend of the circle maker was born. And I want to encourage you today that here we are 2,000 years later. God is still looking for circle makers. I want to encourage you today that there is power in a single prayer. A single prayer can change the course of history. 
And if you circle that prayer, if God lays a desire on your heart, there's a promise that he placed in your heart, there's a dream that he gives you, there is a miracle that he's laying on your heart to give, God is the God who can do anything. There is nothing that God cannot do. And when we are willing to seek the face of God, to circle the things in our lives that God is placing on our hearts, there is power in a single prayer. And I don't want you to underestimate your prayers because when you seek the face of God, when, when your motives are pure, when your relationship with God is right, when you're seeking his will for you, there is power in a single prayer. And I want to encourage you today to lean into your prayer life and not be afraid to pray bold prayers. Because here's the thing, I, and I believe this with all my heart, I, I believe that bold prayers honor God. And in this book, The Circle Maker, that Mark Batterson writes, here's the thing. I think as an author, you have reached the absolute top. There is no better, no better way to write or to uh, just share a thought or a principle than when you can do this. Because here's what Mark Batterson has done. God honors bold prayers, but look what he does. He flips it right around backwards, and then he says, bold prayers honor God, but God honors bold prayers. I'm going, oh, that is genius. That's fantastic. And all he did was say the same thing backwards. Isn't that amazing? It's unbelievable. You have arrived. You have reached the top, my friend, if you can come up with something like that. But consider the truth of that. Just stop, just stop and think about it. Bold prayers honor God because you are recognizing, God, I need you to do something that I cannot do. I need to be completely reliant on you in this situation. Have you been praying bold prayers? God honors bold prayers. He honors them. He's not offended by them. In fact, I would contend he's offended by anything less. He wants to be able to show off. That, that is what he does. He's the God who, who fulfills promises. He answers prayers. He is a miracle worker. He's the God who says, there is nothing that I cannot do. So are you praying bold prayers? I think a lot of times we have this misconception of God that because we've failed or we just don't think that we're good enough, that, that God's out to get us. Like, oh man, if I approach God, he's just going to smite me with that mighty hammer. You know, I, I don't know what that picture looks like in your mind. But the truth is, God is for you. He is with you. He says, I'm going to be your refuge and strength. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise from God that we see in Scripture. God is for you. And I think that when we realize that, it keeps us from praying, you know, weak and timid prayers. When I realize that God is actually for me, he wants to move and work in my life. He wants me to draw close to him and recognize who he is and what he can do. When I realize God is for me, he fights for me. I am his child. I am his prized possession. I have been made in his image then I'm willing to pray bolder prayers. I'm willing to be a little bit more audacious because I recognize he's with me, he's for me, and he longs to fulfill his promises in my life. I just want you to think about that as, as we dive into this scripture today because, man, I think that if we're willing to go all in on our prayer lives, begin praying some bold prayers, circling the promises of God in our lives, we're going to see him show up and do some incredible things. And that excites me. I want us all to be experiencing that together. I want to talk to you about uh, the Jericho miracle. This is a miracle that we're going to walk through that is the fulfillment of a 400-year promise to God's people. You see, he had a purpose and plan for his people. They had to wait for his timing. They had to be obedient. 
But God had a plan for them, and he showed up in a big way. And I would contend with you today that the only way we're going to really fully see God's purpose and presence fulfilled in our lives is when we lean in, when we fully surrender, when we're willing to be obedient, when we pray those bold prayers. In my life, personally, the boldest prayer that, that I have prayed so far into my life that changed everything was the prayer that I had to come to grips with when I realized I was being called to ministry. That's about half of my lifetime ago. I'm sitting here at 23 years old, and I'm realizing, man, this job that I'm doing, doing sales for the RV industry, this is not really my thing. I, I don't have any passion for it. I'm miserable. I know that God's calling me to do something else and it's in that moment where I realize I think God's calling me into full-time ministry. And that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because Dana asked me when we were engaged, hey, you're not going to go be a pastor, are you? And I said, no, that's ridiculous. I never will be a pastor. That's the last thing I ever want to do. <laughs> hey, Dana, I'm going to be a pastor. I mean, that happens about a year later, right? That's an awkward conversation. And to her credit, she was all in. But talk about a scary prayer. Talk about a bold prayer. It's, God, if this is what you're laying on my heart, if this is where you're calling me to be, just open the door and we'll walk through it. And I prayed that prayer for three weeks. And it was three weeks later. I got a call while I was at my in-law's home. I still to this day don't know how Pastor Ernie Lewis got my in-law's phone number. I don't know how that happened. It was before the age of cell phones. and uh, No, that's not true. But it was before the age of iPads and iPhones. So I know you guys, all you Generation Zs are like, what? That was a thing? Yes, it's true. Um, I still don't know how he got that phone number to this day. I just know that on a Saturday night, he called me at my in-laws and said, Tim, I've got an opening as a youth pastor, and God's placed you on my heart. I believe you're the guy that's supposed to come and do this. I'd ask you to think about it, because I know you're not even thinking about ministry right now. And I said, Ernie, you have no idea. <laughs> and the next day, we went forward to an altar at the church we were attending, and, and it was in that moment where we just surrendered. We said, God, if this is your plan for our lives, we're in. And that changed the course of our, of our lives. It changed everything. I look back at that moment, I realize that's the moment where I prayed a bold prayer. God, if that's what you want me to do, make it clear. I had to be willing to be obedient. I had to be willing to be in surrender. But man, God showed up in extraordinary ways and made it 100% clear this was the calling that he had placed on my life. And you know what? I've never looked back. Does that mean every day is easy? No. There are still very difficult days. And yet, man, there's a peace and joy from knowing I'm being obedient I'm just surrendered to what God wants me to do. I'm not perfect, but man, there is a peace and joy that comes from knowing I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I think that's what happens to each and every one of us when we're willing to pray bold prayers, when we realize that God is for us. We see him move and work in our lives. We see him do miracles, things that we could never have done on our own. And that's what happens in the miracle of Jericho. It says this in Joshua 6. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now there's a backstory here. The Israelites have been wandering the wilderness for 40 years. God leads them out of Egypt miraculously. He says, Go, take this promised land that I have given you. And then they doubted. They said, oh, the, the people there are giants. The, the city is a fortress. There's no way that we can break through. And because they weren't willing to trust God, they had to wander that wilderness for 40 years. 
And so after 40 years, Joshua now is leading the people to this promise that God has given them. And what happens? God leads them to this fully fortified city. And what does he say? He says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. It's like, what are you talking about? It's a fully fortified city. We can't get in here. And what I love about this description is that where we see problems, God sees possibilities because there's nothing that he cannot do. We just have to trust in his promises for our lives. And this was a promise that he had given to his people. He's just saying, trust me. I've got this. I'm with you. I am on your side. And so credit to Joshua as a leader. He leads the people of Israel fully trusting God that he's going to fulfill the promise on his life. So here's how this unfolds. God says to Joshua, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now, I don't know if you've ever planned a battle. You know, I haven't. But I can't imagine that's a good battle strategy. This is how we will defeat them. You got your trumpets ready? Yeah, let's go. I've never heard that before. That's God's plan. That's what he's asking Joshua to trust him with. It seems crazy, right? And so when you realize that that's the plan, <laughs> you begin to realize that that's also the plan for each and every one of us. Because when God outlines his plan for us, just like he did for Joshua, that plan requires risk on our part because I have to rely on God now. I'm not relying on myself. I'm fully relying on Jesus. Man, that, that plan takes faith. Well, I believe that this is a promise that God has, has given me, that he's going to fulfill, that he's going to provide, and I'm going to lean in. I'm going to step into faith in that moment and trust him. And it requires outrageous obedience. You're fully trusting, fully surrendering, willing to take the risk, willing to take the leap of faith, and obeying what God has called you to do. And sometimes it feels crazy. But if God is in it, if you believe that God is for you, you lean into those promises of God for your life, and you step out in faith. You follow his plan for you. I love this. This is, this is going to take us a couple minutes to read through, but it is worth every minute. Check out this miracle. It says, so Joshua, son of Nun, it was actually a person. It's just his name was Nun. That's, that's kind of fun, right? Son of Nun. Who's your dad? Nobody. I, son of Nun. Uh, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, they were like, what? That's not part of it. Um, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Give it everything you've got. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, 
Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Just on a sidebar, can you imagine being the people of Jericho? How bizarre would that be? Like the Israelites are here, brace yourselves for war. What's happening? Well, they're circling the city with their trumpets right now. I mean, what's happening right now? Everybody has to be completely befuddled. It says, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days, following the plan that God had given them, completely confusing the people of Jericho. Nobody really knows at this point what is going on. But they're following the plan that God has given them. They're trusting that he's going to provide, that he's going to fulfill that promise in their life. It says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on the seventh day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when they shouted, all together in unison, God knocked down the walls of Jericho. They went in and God fulfilled a 400-year-old promise that he had given his people. There's no way to, you know, figure out how that possibly could have happened. It's a God thing. God did something that they could never have done on their own. And I'm going to tell you today, if you are willing to circle the promises of God for you, you are going to begin seeing him do things that you never thought would be possible. And I want to ask you this today, because this gets personal really quick. What is your Jericho? What is it that God is asking you to circle? Think about these questions for a second. What promise are you praying around? Just stop and consider that for a second. In your own life, what promise of God are you praying around? Where you just need to see Jesus show up in your life. And you think, well, I'm not sure what that means, Tim. What do you mean the promise of God? Well, Scripture is filled with promises. And when God makes a promise, he delivers on that promise. He is faithful. That's, what, that's who he is. That's what he does. He loves to be faithful. He loves to fulfill his promises for our life. So when he says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, for I, the Lord your God, am with you everywhere you go. You can trust that promise for your life. When God says in Scripture, listen, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, you can put your trust in that promise. How about when it says in Scripture, when we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just, He will forgive us of our sins, He will cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. That's a promise that you can circle in your life. You have been forgiven. When He says, come to me, all you who are weary, I will give you rest then you circle that promise in your life and realize that that is where I go. If I need rest, if I need peace, I put my trust in Jesus. He will give me peace that, that transcends all understanding. These are promises that God gives us in, in Scripture that if we're willing to just circle in prayer, He's faithful. He will meet you where you are at. You will experience His presence in ways that you never imagined, and you will see Him doing things that only He can do. There's no better place to be in life than in that place where you see God moving and working and you realize that you are part of what he is doing. I long for all of us to take this next step in our faith, this next step in our prayer life, to draw closer to Jesus and see him moving and working. What promises are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? 
I think we're hesitant to pray for miracles a lot of time because that is full-out reliance on God. But let's talk about this for a second. Things that only God can do, broken relationship that need healing. Are you praying for a miracle? How about that friend, that family member that doesn't know Jesus? Are you praying for their heart to just to, to surrender and to draw close to Jesus? Pray for that miracle to happen. When we deal with our health issues and things that are going on in life, are you praying for God's miracles? Are you praying for him to work? Because he still is God. He's still in charge. There's nothing that he cannot do. What miracles are you marching around in your life? I think the final question is, what dream does your life revolve around? We're going to be diving into this in the next few weeks, but I want to encourage you to think about the dreams that you have for your life. Are they your dreams or are they God's dreams? And when you stop and consider what God's dreams may be for your life, you start asking yourself questions like, what is my legacy going to be? What goals am I making for my life where I can recognize that if these are God's dreams for my life that I'm circling, I can be making it a point that every day I'm working toward these goals and these dreams that God has given me. Are you dreaming about your future? Are you circling those things in prayer, asking God to be God and to show up and experience his presence in extraordinary ways? These are really important moments, really important questions that we need to be asking ourselves that help identify what it is that we need to see God do in our lives. Because he's there. And if you seek his face, you will experience his presence. I, I love what we see in Matthew chapter 20 when it comes to just circling this Jericho miracle in your life. This is in the time of Jesus, which had been centuries after uh, the walls of Jericho uh, were knocked down. You see this amazing story of Jesus walking into Jericho. And there are two blind men outside. It says this in Matthew chapter 20. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, it says a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Because in that day and age, listen to me, if you were blind or if you were crippled or if you were not able to work, you were an outcast in that society. Your existence was sitting outside the city wall along the entrance to the city and just begging, hoping that someone would have enough pity and mercy on you to give you the sustenance that you need to get through another day. These people were often disowned by their families. Their lives were miserable. They had no hope until they see Jesus walking out of the city and they're begging for a special touch from God. But think about this question, because here it says, the crowd yelled, be quiet, but they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, and this is powerful, you guys. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine that, just for a moment? This is Jesus. This is the son of God, God in the flesh. God has become man. And he stops. He hears the cry for help and he looks them straight in the eyes and he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? What an incredible moment. They're blind. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Their response is, Lord, we want to see. It's in that moment that Jesus has compassion on these two men. It says he immediately, he touches their eyes and they are healed. They can see and there is much rejoicing. Jesus shows up and does what only he can do. But that question, it resonates. What do you want me to do for you? I think we're good to identify those things in our life, those areas that are heavy on our heart. 
when we're in a, in a difficult situation, where we're struggling, what promise am I needing to be circling in my life? What prayer am I needing to lay at the feet of Jesus? How am I to be drawing closer to him? Because I think what happens is when we fall into the trap of not thinking about what is it that we need God to do in our lives? What promises do I need to put my trust in? What miracle am I praying for? What dreams is God playing on my, is placing on my heart that I need to be living into? I think our prayer lives often just devolve into this prayer life where when something bad happens, when we're in a crisis, that's when we cry out to God. And that becomes really the description of our prayer lives. We pray when we're in trouble. We pray when we're in crisis. And I long for us together to take a giant leap forward again in our prayer lives, to go all in so we can fully experience what it means to walk with Jesus, to talk with Jesus, and to see him moving and working in our lives. Because I think he has so much more in store for us if we're willing to lean in to our time with him in prayer. I want to ask you to consider something. Um, For the next three weeks, and this starts next Sunday, January 17th, we're going to be beginning a 21-day prayer challenge. And throughout this three-week span, uh, we're going to be offering journals. Now, here's the thing. We're giving out these journals starting next Sunday. Look at this. We've got these notebooks printed off. You are loved right on the front. How cool is that? You guys excited about that? This is free. We're getting them out to everybody, all right? This is fantastic. Now, here's the thing. Why are we doing that? Well, because when you write down your prayer requests, when you write down the way that God is moving and working, the prayer requests that he's answering, uh, the reality is that when you write something like that down, the, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory, all right? You'll always have a journal. You'll always have a record of what God was doing, the way he was moving. You'll be able to see the prayer requests you prayed for and see how he answered them. And I want us to all be doing that together. For 21 days, we're going to have specific scriptures that we're reading through, specific promises that we're circling in our lives. And I believe that together through this three-week challenge, through this three-week journey, we're going to all be taking a gigantic leap forward together in our prayer lives. And I want to challenge you to lean into this, to be thinking about what that looks like for you, to be willing to go all in on your prayer life during this 21-day challenge because I think it will change your life. And throughout this challenge, I want you to consider the reality that uh, we're gonna be circling God's promises in Scripture. That's the first and foremost. What are the promises that God gives us that you need to be circling in your life? We're gonna be circling our families in prayer, lifting our, our loved ones to Jesus. We're gonna be circling our unsaved friends, the friends that are desperate to connect with Jesus, to have him change their lives. We're gonna be circling our hurts, our habits, our hangups, those things in our life that we need to surrender to him. We're gonna be circling the miracles that we need to see God work in our lives. And we're gonna be circling the dreams that God places on our hearts. This is a journey, this is a challenge that you guys, this can change everything. And I believe that if we lean into this, if we go all in into our prayer lives, that we're going to see God do extraordinary things. And I, for one, am excited. I'm looking forward with anticipation to what God is going to do because, honestly, he's already begun. He's already moving. He's already working. He's already doing extraordinary things. And together, when we lean in, I believe there's going to be this realization that there's nothing that our God cannot do. And so the challenge, as we come to a close today, is... It's time to start circling. It's time to start lifting our prayer requests to God. And so as a first step, as we start getting into this series a little bit deeper, the first step as we lead into this 21-day challenge is today, 
to begin circling that prayer request that you want to give to God. When you consider that question, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Take that question to heart. Think about that personally. I mean, honestly, wherever you're watching right now, would you just close your eyes? Would you just picture yourself sitting outside of that city gate and Jesus walks by and you cry out to him, you say, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. And you have the attention of Jesus. He's looking you right in the eye and he says to you, what do you want me to do for you? What is the promise that you need to circle? What is the miracle that you are seeking in your life? What are the dreams that God has placed in your heart that you need to just commit in prayer? These are deeper level things in life. This is not, Jesus, could you help me win the lottery? This is not that kind of prayer, all right? This is deep stuff. This is me taking my next step with Jesus. This is me praying for the people that God has placed on my heart that, that I am hurting for. And so a first response I would ask today is, as we respond today, as we close singing this song, I'm going to invite you, uh, if you're here at our Goshen campus or at Mishawak or St. Pete, I'm inviting you to come forward. We have tables in front here in Goshen where there are posts. It's, it's as simple as that. I'd invite you to write the prayer request that God is laying on your heart. Just write it down on that post-it. Take it back to your seat with you. And when we're dismissed today, I would invite you to go out in our hallway, the hallway over here, but to my left, your right, and we're just going to start putting our prayer requests right on the wall. And over these next few weeks, the 21-day challenge includes two prayer and worship nights right here at Crossroads. We're going to be circling this place in prayer. We're going to be lifting up everyone's prayer requests. We're going to be seeking the face of God. I want you to know your prayer request that you put on that post, it will be prayed by hundreds of people. It will be lifted up to God in prayer. We're going to be praying for miracles. We're going to be praying for God's promises. We're going to be praying for the, God, for the dreams that God has placed in our lives. We're going all in on our prayer lives. So I want to challenge you today. It's time to start circling. Let's go all in on our prayer lives. And I invite you to write that prayer request down, put it on the wall. Let's start circling. Jesus, I thank you today for who you are, for the love that you have for us, for the way that you speak and work in our lives. And God, I just ask that you would help us to lean into who you are, the way that you are moving, the way that you are working, and help us to seek your face. Jesus, help us to lean into you and to circle the promises that you have given us. Help us to trust in your faithfulness and to realize that you are here to be faithful, that you are true, that you will provide. God, place the miracles on our heart that you want us to be praying for and to lift the people in our, in our lives that are desperate for you up in prayer. God, help us to live walking in your dreams for our lives, not our own. Help us to focus on you, what it is that you want for our lives. God, may we circle our dreams, these miracles, your promises in prayer. And God, by doing so, I believe you're going to show up on the scene in a mighty way. And so I look forward with great anticipation to what you are going to do in our hearts, in our lives, and in our community. We love you, and we praise you today because you are good. We pray this in your name.